known Pastor Troy Maxwell uh, for many years. We served together uh, churches through Relate, Relate Coaching Network. So some of you guys know that's one of our kind of our mission partners. And uh, I served through primarily through New England, but he does a lot through the East Coast and, and abroad. And, and so that's how we got connected was through Relate, through Pastor Randy Bazette. We've become good friends. Uh, he's a better preacher, but I brought him up here to show him I'm stronger than he is. And so anyway, I feel better about my success than his. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Which one do you want? I want that. Uh, anyway, but listen, would you guys do me a favor? He has got a timely word for us that really hits any time and any season in your life. Would you stand to your feet? Would you give honor to Pastor Troy Maxwell, my good friend? Thank you. Come on, give Jesus a big hand clap. Boston, and give your pastor, Pastor D and Pastor Stacy. Don't you love your pastors? Before you sit down, just you got. So I know. I know people say this when they come in, and uh, I'm not obligated. He didn't tell me to say this, but the truth is, is you've got a phenomenal pastor who loves you, who talks about you. Um, uh, I'm jealous because all of you are way cuter than any of the people I have in my church. Don't tell him I said that. Um, North Carolina needs some help. They need a tic-tac and a lot more. <laughs> Joking, of course, but you've got great pastors, great character. And the thing I love, and I get to travel quite a bit, been around for a while, is it, it's, it's always wonderful and refreshing to see people that are the same here as they are there. And, and that's an important for you to know, that you, your pastors are the same whether they're out to dinner or on the platform. They're not different people. Um, very care. Can we give them one more hand? And a great, great... <laughs> Fantastic. And before you sit down, look at three people. Just look at them and say you look like you lost a little bit of weight this week, and then you may be seated. Even if it's not true, just go ahead and say it. Always feels good to hear somebody say, have you lost weight? Well, um, greetings from North Carolina. Charlotte, uh, I, I just want to get this out of the way because I know it's a big day for you guys. Uh, I am a Panther fan. I know. I, however, I am a Tom Brady fan as well, so I just want to let you know. <clears throat> I, I, I like him. Um, I'm in a little funk right now with my team, a little struggling, uh, a little str struggling, so uh, I will be pulling for you today. Um, but, you know, I am a Panther fan because I have to be. I mean, I'm from Charlotte. If you were from Charlotte, you'd be a Panther fan too. You would, you would, you would. And so, um, so just an honor to be here. Just want to introduce, I've never been here on a weekend. I have been here during the week at some of the events that we've had. But I want to introduce you to my family. Uh, so I have a picture here of my family. I think they're going to throw it up there. I have three kids, a boy and two girls. I think they're going to throw that up there. Yes, maybe. Is. Clap on, clap off. All right, so um, on the far left-hand side there, that's my son, and he just got married last month. Come on, somebody. 22 years old. He works for me. He runs my youth and young adults and everything, and I like the girl, which is very important. So nothing worse than, than him marrying somebody that you don't like. Uh, the, the, the middle one there, the one with the dark hair, that's my daughter. She is uh, my middle daughter. She's 20. She's getting married next month. So I have two in one year, only have to pay for one, so we'll, we'll only be receiving one offering at the end of the service for me. And, and the guy she's marrying, I like him too. Come on, two for two, for two so far. Then the, my, my, middle, my youngest daughter, Cassidy, she's there, the blonde on the end, um, and she's available. So 
just wanted to let you know. Um, she just broke up with her boyfriend, thank God, because I didn't like him, just saying. Just being honest, because I'm not being recorded, all right? And so, so if you do have anybody between the ages of 18 and 25 who have a job, just come see me after the service, and I'll take resumes. Not, and, and I'm not talking about they're an entrepreneur, because everybody knows what entrepreneur is. Code for I don't have a job, all right, so... And then that's my beautiful wife. We just celebrated 27 years last week, September. So I'm real, real fired up about that. And uh, all in a row, you have to say that, you know, been married to the same woman for 27 years. So anyway, I'm excited. I miss her. She's preaching today. And she texted me. Earl, I didn't tell you, Pastor D. Uh, she texted me that the water got cut off in our house. And so she wasn't even able to take a shower before she went to church today. I was like, she was like, do you have a plumber's number? And I'm like, I, I guess, but I don't know what I'm going to do here. And so bless them. <laughs> uh, my, my, my room had shower, had. had had water. So, hey, get your pens out, your notepad out. I think you got some notes. You can take some notes because we, we know note takers go to heaven and they are history makers. So write some things down. Even if you just fake it and are Googling on Facebook, um, it, makes, it makes all the preachers feel good when you take notes because we spend a lot of time on these messages. And so um, I'm just saying, so even if you're faking it and just looking down, taking a nap, whatever. Turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You can look on the screen. You can look on your phone. Open your eyelids, whatever you need to do, and, and we'll have a great time today. Um, if you don't know what Ecclesiastes is, it's on the left-hand side of your Bible. Uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Hezekiah, Ecclesiastes. That's not a book in the Bible. Um, but Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. Solomon was the third king. It was Saul, David, and Solomon. Solomon started out really good as a king, but he met some girls, about 400 of them, and it kind of ruined his life from that point forward. Ecclesiastes is his comeback book. It's the book that, that he used to, in essence, share his relationship with God and how he connected and realized that all the money, all the women, all the wealth, all the wisdom was not as important as God and his relationship with God. And I love chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. Read the whole chapter maybe this week for homework, but I want you to see some things here that I want to talk about. Uh, verse 1, it says, to everything there is a season. Everybody say everything, everything. To everything. It doesn't say some things. It says everything there is a season. Very important. A time for every purpose under heaven. Everybody say every purpose. So notice that everything has a season and that there's a time or a season for every purpose under heaven, which means on earth. And then he begins to list out some of the seasons or times. He says there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. It says a time to weep. You could also say it this way. A season to laugh, a season to mourn, a season to dance, a season to cast away stones, a season to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away. He goes on to say a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And notice what he kind of sums up this thought in verse 11. He says, he has made everything. Everybody say everything. Beautiful in its time. Okay, let's just take a time out here for a second. Because everything doesn't seem beautiful all the time. And this is kind of where I want to go today because I think some of us probably in this room are not having a everything beautiful moment. 
Maybe it's in our relationships. Maybe it's in our marriage. If we'll just be honest and, and kind of dig down deep. He says everything is beautiful in its time. That everything has a season and we need to look at it differently. Why? Because he's put eternity in our hearts. Meaning that we have this time clock. We, we understand that God lives outside of time. He doesn't exist in time. Now, this is a challenge for us humans because we really want him to exist in time because our life is built on time. So when we pray at 1030, we expect him to show up at least by three. But God doesn't exist in time. He knew before you were going to pray. Matter of fact, he knew before you were born because he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He exists outside of time. He put us in time so that we, we would have this calendar, this, this way in which to frame life. This is why um, uh, when you deal with atheists or agnostics or people who don't believe in God, the truth is inside they're still questioning it because they have a clock. And they understand when you start talking about eternity, they really get it because we all have this clock on the inside. And so he says he has put eternity in their hearts except except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. In other words, we exist in time. God exists outside of time. He's working things out even if we don't understand it. So here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about the season that surrounds your miracle. The season that surrounds your miracle. How many of y'all need a miracle in your life? Raise your hand if you need a miracle in your life. Okay, most of us, most of us. Maybe you need a miracle in your body. Maybe you need a miracle in your finances. Maybe you need a miracle with your kids. Come on, you want to kill them, but you got to, you know, you can't. You can't sell them on eBay. You got to keep them. We need a miracle in our business. Maybe I need a miracle in my job. I need a promotion. I need, I need a miracle. I need a miracle in my ministry. We all need a miracle, but there are seasons that surround our miracle. And the ability to navigate, understand, and walk through those seasons sometimes determines whether we're going to keep the miracle or not. Because let's be honest, not only is there a season that precedes our miracle, but there's also a season that is after our miracle. And sometimes holding on to the miracle is just as difficult as getting it in the first place. And let me just throw this out there to you because I think this is important to understand about miracles is that often what God is doing for us is not nearly as important as what God is doing in us. So we got our focus on the miracle when God says you're the miracle. And the reason why you haven't got it is because God's doing something in you. And so the season that precedes it, the seasons that as after it, is important to understand. Or else we can just kind of orbit our destiny. Just kind of walk around our destiny for the rest of our lives. And, and we know people like that. They come to the early service, but we know people like that. <laughs> they're just kind of walking around their mirror. They, they don't really have, they understand they have a destiny, but they're just kind of circling it. And so God set this thing in order around seasons. In Genesis chapter 8, if you ever want to know kind of biblically how things started in all of life, you've got to look at Genesis, the book of beginnings. So here's what he said. He says, while the earth remains, while this third rock from the sun is spinning, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Until Jesus comes back, there will always be seed, time, and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. You can look at it this way. Promise, Process product. 
There always is gonna be a promise. God's got a promise. That's the miracle that you want. God promised this. We love when he shows up, right? We love the product. We love when it happens. Hallelujah, amen. Praise God, amen. He did it for me. Woo, I'm healed. I got the job. He paid my bills. I'm out of debt. She left. She came. She's here. He's here. He's gone. Amen, whatever. Right? We don't like the time part. We don't like the process. The process is the hard part, isn't it? I remember when I was a kid, my, my grandfather taught me how to, how I don't do this, but he t- I, I think he thought I was going to do it. He taught me how to farm. I would tell my grandfather all the time, hey, listen, Paul, Paul, that's what I called him. Look, they have produce sections in the grocery store. You don't have to farm. <laughs> You'll get that later. Anyway, so... But he taught me anyway. He grew butter beans and butter peas and corn and pumpkins and, and all these different things. And so he says, I want to teach you, Troy, how to farm. And so he said, I want you to take a seed, put it in the ground. I didn't, I like that part. I like digging up the ground, I like putting the seed in the ground, I like watering it. What I hated is the fact that it took time for that seed to produce something. So I did what any good kid would do. In the middle of the night, I woke up and went out and dug the seed up. Because you're trying to figure out why hasn't this happened yet. Well, the promise has been deposited in our heart. Which is the season that we, the, the time, the process. And really it's our heart that determines whether the miracle is going to come to pass. God wants to do the miracle for you. And I'm not saying, please don't understand. I'm not saying that the miracle is not important. But you are more important when it comes to God. Are you following me? And so I want to give you some things that will help you understand seasons. The first, if you want to write this down, is seasons are appointed times that God sets and leads us in and out of. God sets them. He's the one that puts us in it. Now, I had a hard time with this because I always thought that the season I was in was a consequence of what I did or didn't do. And that's not true. God actually is the one. To everything there is a season. To every purpose under heaven. To every purpose. So in other words, God is the one who's in control of the seasons. He's the one that puts me in the season, takes me out of the season. He's the one that, that, that helps me understand how to get through it. He's the one that puts me in it. And he leads us in and out of it. Let me, let me prove it to you and we'll look at Jesus. Now, now we know Jesus. We, we don't know a whole lot about Jesus Age one, zero, we know, we know he was born, we know he was angels and star and manger, we're getting kind of close to that time. But then we don't see a whole lot about him until 12 years old, right? And then we find out that Joseph and Mary lost Jesus, which is kind of funny. I think the Bible's hilarious. They did not have to put that in there, but they did it for us parents. I don't know if you've ever lost a kid. I never have, but it makes me feel good because Mary and Joseph lost God. And pretty big responsibility to have God, right, and to lose him for an entire, not for just an hour, all day. Like somebody called DSS on Joseph and Mary. Because what are you doing, guys? So then fast forward, so we, we just see that little part. I think God put that in there just for us parents to make us go, yes, all right, Joseph and Mary are normal. And then fast forward all the way to when he's 30 years old. 30 years old, he shows up. He's a carpenter's son. He's from Bethlehem. And he's getting baptized by John the Baptist. I think we all know the story, but he shows up. And John the Baptist says, that's the son of God. And he baptizes him. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. Luke chapter 3. And then Luke chapter 4. Look at what happened. 
Then Jesus, after he's baptized, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. What was he filled with? The Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, into a season. See, Jesus, God led Jesus into a season. Why? Because Jesus was ultimately to be the harvest, but he needed a process before he became the harvest. So he was the promise, Old Testament, and the process was the wilderness. The process was his, his 33 and a half years that he was on the planet. Even Jesus has to go through a season. And it lasts for 40 days. That's a month plus 10. That's a long time. 40 days. Some of us get mad when we stay in the Starbucks line more than 30 seconds. And God had to go through 40 days of a season. God is the one who sets the seasons. God is the one who leads us through those seasons. Here's another thing if you want to write this down. is Seasons don't follow the natural order. Natural order is spring, summer, fall, winter. Spring, summer, fall, winter. But that's not how God works. Sometimes you can go spring, winter, fall, summer, winter, winter, winter. Come on. (laughs) Fall, winter, winter. Winter, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like it just, and the other thing about seasons is you could be in one season in one part of your life and another season in another part of your life. You could be in fall with regards to your finances and in spring in regards to your relationships. Well, in your ministry, you might be in a winter. And so they don't follow the natural order. Here's another thing is making the right decisions in spiritual seasons make the good seasons longer and the bad seasons shorter. Can I get a big amen from that one? Make the right decisions. You know, the, the, the most powerful thing that God gave each one of us is the ability to choose. And so your ability to choose, most powerful thing. You say, no, worship is more, more powerful. No, you got to choose to worship. Well, prayer is more powerful. No, you got to choose to pr- pray. Choice is our most powerful spiritual disposition. And so when, when it comes to our seasons, God is the one who puts us in it. But we have the ability to shorten or lengthen the season based on our choices in the season. The Bible says we can redeem the time, meaning that we can change the season by the decisions that we make, the choices that we make. That's why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, preach the word, be ready, be prepared. See, if I'm anticipating something, if I can be, instead of being reactive to the, to the season, I can be proactive to the season. I need to be proactive, anticipating it, anticipating. Now, the only way I know that is if I understand seasons. And so if I'm proactive in the middle of this thing, then I'm not going to be looking around every corner wondering what the devil's going to steal from me. Or who's going to do this because I understand the season that I am. So, so, so Paul tells Timothy, who was a young pastor, struggling in his church. He says, be ready, man. Be ready in season, good times, and out of season, bad times. Make the right choices, bro. Make the right choices, Timothy. Make sure you choose right. Good decisions. Good decisions in the middle of your season. Here's another thing. Every season is meant to prepare you for the next. In other words, there's a lesson in every season. And check this out. The sooner you learn the lesson, the sooner you get out of the season. 
Hello. I love God. I love the fact that God, you never can fail a test with God. You just get retakes over and over and over again. You just retake it. You're never going to, you, you don't fail. You just retake it. Some of us, we've been in the same test for the last 15 years. Today is your day of deliverance. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you right now. Come on. He's talking about you. Every season is meant to prepare you. There is a lesson in every season, in every season. Lessons to grow, lessons to expand, lessons to to help you persevere, help you to, to endure, to grow your faith. That's why you're in such a big fight right now. It's because faith doesn't grow until it has to fight. It doesn't just grow by reading the Bible. It comes by the word, but it grows by trials. And so when we ask God to give us more faith, get ready for a good fight because you're about to have one. Our trust grows. Seasons develop us. They mark us. They give us pillars to lean on in our life. So I think you got to ask the question, what season am I in? Like, so where am I? Talking about these seasons, Troy, what, what season am I? How do I understand where I am? Well, let's use the four seasons to explain it. First, there's spring. Spring means newness. You know you're in a spring season when it's fresh, it's new. There's anticipation in spring. There's revelation in spring. It it rains in the springtime, but I like rain in the spring because I know the flowers are going to come up. There's blooming. There's there's new growth. There's new steps of joy and happiness, new relationships, new ideas. Now, the challenge with spring is we can get lazy during spring. We can get distracted. And we have to appreciate the new during spring. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 11 about King David. He was the second king of Israel. And the Bible starts this way. It says, in the spring of the year when the kings go out to war, David stayed home. Bad decision. Bad decision. So he's at home. He's supposed to be fighting, taking new territory. Because that's what spring Spring is all about taking new territory. So he's supposed to be taking new territory. He gets lazy. He stays home. He ends up on the top of his roof. Follow me. And he's looking around, checking things out. And he leans over. And he looks over to the side. And he looks at this window. And there's a girl taking a bath. Uh-oh. That's problems. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> Men, listen to me. You're married. And you're on the top of your house. Just, I don't know why you're there, but you're on the top of your house. And you happen to look over to the left, and there's a woman taking a bath. You need to get off the top of the house. You need to run and tell somebody and just, just scream as loud as you can. Do whatever it takes to draw attention away from her. Don't look again. That's what David did. See, he looked again. Next thing you know, they're having charcuterie at his house. Netflix are on, and there's a lot of chill about to happen. You know what I'm talking about. And it's bad. And he gets himself in trouble. Why? Why? Because he wasn't doing what he should have been doing in spring. Here's the second thing. Second is, is summer. Summer. Summer is warm. It's relaxed. Summer is about plateaus. And we all need plateaus. We all need times of rest. But times of rest aren't to step back. Times of rest are meant to dig deeper. 
Actually, this is when you look at your foundation. This is when you go underneath the house to make sure the wood's not wet and, and there's not problems underneath. This is when you look at the, 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 the concrete floor to make sure there's not cracks or settlement. This is when you start. Summer is that time where you dig into things. There's lots of storms in the summer, but storms make us stronger. Storm, storms help reveal things. When I think of summer, I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My shack, your shack, and a bungalow, if you can't remember their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're supposed to be bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar. You know the story. And they, they, Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to play the music, and you guys bow down. I'm your God. I'm your king. And they say, no way. I'm not doing that. Even if we die, we're never going to believe anything but God, Jehovah. He says, all right, turn the, the, the furnace up seven times. Summer, hot. So he throws them in the furnace, throws the three Hebrew boys in, in the furnace, and and he looks, Nebuchadnezzar looks, and he, and he does, they're not dying, and there's a fourth man in it, one like the Son of God. See, Jesus shows up when it's real hot. So don't despise the hot times, the plateaus, the moments where you can connect with him. Number three is fall. <clears throat> fall is a tough season. It's about fatigue. It's it's a falling away. There's lots of transition, uncertainty, lots of changes. There are mindsets that we have to let go of and fall. Sometimes it's relationships we need to let go of, and they're not easy. But here's what I want you to catch from fall. <clears throat> fall is important because not everybody is supposed to go with you to the next season. Don't, don't carry somebody somewhere they're never meant to go to. And this is hard. Young people, listen to me. This is important for, for young people. You have to let some people go in order to grow where God is calling you to. You're going to have to leave them. I know, I know what you're thinking because I'm the same way. I don't want them to go. I don't want to leave them. They really need the next season. Yeah, but they're not ready for it. You are. You are. And so it's okay to walk away from them. They might show up again. Highly unlikely, but they might show up again. They might be there in the future, but you got to let them go. Got to let them go. So fall is about transition. When I think of fall, I think of Elijah. Elijah went through a lot of transition. He struggled. Matter of fact, he wanted to kill himself as a result of what he felt like he was disconnected from. He didn't even think God was in his world after he, after he demolished Ahab and Jezebel and all the prophets of Baal and Asherah. I mean, he did this incredible miracle and, and, and ran faster than the chariots, called fire out of heaven. I mean, it was amazing. And here he is just a few days later sitting underneath a broom tree saying, I want to kill myself. Whenever you see in the Bible a broom tree, it always represents isolation. And fall feels like isolation. It feels like that you're separated from everything. But sometimes God needs to separate us in order we can get connected to him. And then the last one, and this is where I want to spend the most of my time, is on winter. Winter. Is this all right? Y'all doing okay so far? Okay, winter, winter. This is when you feel confined. You feel stuck. You can't move. Lack of movement. There's restriction. You feel like your vision is challenged. Your mission seems to be stalled. You just stop. You just can't go anywhere. Restless. I get restless during winter. Biblically, winter is equivalent to the wilderness. It's equivalent to the wilderness. Winter is a time to learn endurance. It's a time to find out really what motivates you. 
And this whole message, if I can be honest with you and vulnerable, this came out of a winter season that I went through at the beginning of this year, in January, February, March, where I had just, um, we, we, we have four campuses, and, and we, I have a teaching team, meaning that I have different speakers all at these different campuses. I love the video. There's all, lots of different ways to do it. I love the way you guys do it. Um, uh, we do it a little bit differently, but, you know, and, and it's messy sometimes because I have other people preaching, and i got to trust them. And so I had some really close people to me just act like jerks, to be honest with you. Sometimes Christians can be the meanest people in the world, you know. And, man, they were really, just really mean. And I'm a pretty nice guy. <laughs> I try to be nice. And, and it just went bad. And it was like this season where my vision of the church, the mission, everything seemed challenged. But I learned some things. Remember, you got to learn the lesson. Can I just share that lesson with you? Just, just really quickly, because I think some of you may be in a winter uh, and not think it's beautiful, but it's really beautiful. Write this down really quickly. Winter kills the bugs of the past. Winter kills the bugs of the past. I had a friend of mine named uh, Jimmy. He pastors in Texas, and he was having a conversation with one of his farmer buddies, a farmer friend of his, and he tapped the farmer guy on the shoulder, and he goes, man, this is the best winter ever because it wasn't, it was like 50 degrees, 40 degrees, never got really cold, and the farmer whipped around and said to him, no, Jimmy, no, Jimmy, this is the worst winter ever. I need it to get cold because when it gets cold, the cold goes down into the ground and kills all the larvae of the bugs, and then, he, and then he said something that I thought was so powerful. He said, bugs follow fruitfulness. So bugs follow fruitfulness. Winter naturally is a biological firewall between seasons. Spiritually, it's the same thing. Winter has to happen in order to kill the bugs that would eat your fruit in the future. And so God wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to have a harvest. He wants you to have that miracle. But if we don't have a cold season in front of it, the bugs. What are bugs? Bugs are those things in me that can destroy my harvest. Prayerlessness, unforgiveness, resentment, cynicism, offense. Hello? Things like that that eat away. We want to be fruitful. Then we don't realize when we get to that place of harvest, if we never dealt with that season of winter, then we're, you know, angry for no reason at all. Like, why in the world did I do that? Your wife's telling you, why are you so angry all the time? Why, why did you? I mean, we get on the highway. You're telling everybody they're number one. What's going on? <laughs> Using the wrong finger, of course. I'm just saying. I'm not going to demonstrate in church. Pastor Derek said I couldn't. I did it in the first service. It made everybody angry. <laughs> kidding but you know what I'm saying like you just fly off the handle you don't realize what's going on you got all this resentment this anger this offense and all it takes is a fruitful season to pull that out of you because the enemy doesn't want you to succeed he really doesn't but winter gets down inside and deals with all those bugs winter causes you to go to God how do you do it humility First Peter says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Man, it's hard. I'll be all, it's hard for God to deal with you and say, hey, you haven't forgiven that person. It's hard. 
when you got all this hurt on the inside of you and, 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 and you're going through the motions, but inside it just doesn't, it feels flat. You're lifting your hands on Sunday, but man, the presence for you, the presence of God just ain't there like it used to be. Because all you can think about is what she should have done and what she should, she should have said and what he could have done and what he could because you haven't let it go. Winter reveals all that stuff because God wants us fruitful. And check this out. We have to give God permission to be fruitful in our life. He prunes those that submit themselves to him. And we have to be pruned. Is this all right, y'all? Is this all right? I know it's my first time out of the gate here at Connect Church. I'm giving it my best shot. Okay? All right, here, here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Winter distinguishes between perennials and annuals. I didn't know really what these were several years ago, but my wife taught me that there are two types of flowers that you plant. There are annuals and perennials. Annuals, you have to plant them every single year. That's why they call them annuals. I said, thanks, honey. I appreciate that. Thanks for explaining it to me. Because they die. Now, the difference between annuals and perennials, annuals are way prettier than perennials. However, perennials come back every year. You plant them one time, and they just come back every single year. They're hardier. They're stronger. They endure through tough times. What winter does with people in our life, it distinguishes from those that are pretty and those that are faithful. Those that are talented and those that have character. Those that are, are, will run away at the first chance of pain and challenge. And those that will stick with you no matter what. That's why many gardens you'll see perennials around the outside and annuals on the inside. Because you want the strong on the outside around you and the weak on the inside. And so that, that's, that's why winter comes along in order to distinguish between those two. And that's what I had in my life. I had a bunch of annuals. Because I want to look pretty. I want, you want people around you that make you look good. You want people around you that are talented. But sometimes that talent, you think, outweighs their character. And winter brings that up. Because during your mission, during your purpose, there's going to be uncertain times. There's gonna be, your, your mission is going to be challenged. And I don't want somebody that's just there for a year. I want people there that are there, that are strong, that are loyal, that are faithful. They're going to stick with me through the hard times. Winter reveals people's motivation. It shows where their motivation, are they for you or for what you can get them? And there's a big difference between the two. It reveals intention. And then here's the last thing, is winter causes us to expand our wardrobe. We have to put on some more clothes during wintertime. And the good thing about God is he gives us two closets to pick from. Two closets. Two big closets that we can go to during our wintertime. One for the enemy and one for the inner me. One for the enemy. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil's schemes. What is, that, what is that armor? What is the clothing for the enemy? Listen, you have a real enemy. You, if, you, if you have any connection, if we have any connection to our purpose, the plan, the destiny, if you're sitting in church today, you've got an enemy. 
For some of us, we woke up, he was right at the end of the bed going, you don't need to go to church today. Just stay home, watch it online, it's all right. Look, don't go to church today, you don't need to be here. You know the best time to go to church? When you don't want to. Like, serious. Because if, if there's any pressure for you not to be there, let me tell you something, there's something for you there. And so we have an enemy. His name is the devil, Diablo, the adversary, the accuser, the father of lies. But God gives us this incredible wardrobe, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, my feet shod with peace. Because of who I am, no matter where I go, peace follows me. Not because of what I did, did, am I right with God, but because of what Jesus did, I have the breastplate of righteousness. I have the power that's in the word of God, the belt of truth, the, the word that's, that's sharper than any two-edged sword. I have the, sh- the, the sword of the spirit. I've got the, the shield of faith that can quench any fiery dart from the enemy. And I got this incredible wardrobe that I can wear so that every day, no matter what the devil tries to do to my family, my job, my finances, my relationships, who I am, my destiny, my mission, anything like that, I've got every tool, weaponry necessary to deal with the enemy at any given time. And winter helps me get more comfortable with that wardrobe. Are you with me? And then the second thing is the inner me, and that's Isaiah 61, one of my favorite verses. When I feel down, when I feel like nothing's going right, I have this garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I just finished with this last story. When I was a kid, my mom, um, she didn't have a car till she was 38 years old. So I'm an only child and only grandchild. So it was just me and my mom. My dad left when I was 14 months old. My, my mom dealt drugs. So I grew up in a very drug infested environment. I started smoking weed when I was seven years old, eight, nine. You just, you just take it on from there. It's a miracle that I'm even alive. It's a miracle that I'm not in jail. Um, and, and it's a miracle. I mean, like a full-on miracle that I'm a pastor. Like, it's crazy to even think. I'm the least likely guy to be a pastor. But when my mom was, when, we were, when I was growing up, if we wanted to go anywhere, like to the movies or uh, anything, we had to hitchhike. Y'all know what hitchhiking is? Thumb me. This was before they would kidnap you. Back then, they would, you know, they didn't kidnap you. Maybe they did. I don't know. I never got kidnapped. So, anyway... So you have to you get on the side of the road. You stick your thumb out. These for all the millennials and young people. You don't know what this is. You stick your. Don't try it. It's called Uber now. But back back then, you stick your thumb out, and people would stop, and then they take you as far as they would go, and then you'd stick your thumb out again. So if we wanted to go to the movies, it'd take an hour and a half to get to the movies because we'd have to go down this road, get out, stick our thumb out, get out. All right. My mom was beautiful. She's five ten, blonde hair, gorgeous, but she's got a kid. Like this little kid beside her. So most people aren't going to pick up a beautiful blonde with a kid. And so she had this big cloak that she would put me under. She would hide me. She would sit on the side of the road. And I'm underneath the cloak. And she'd stick her thumb out. And the guy would pull up thinking he was going to pick up this beautiful blonde. And then she would unveil this kid. And they couldn't pull away. 
and we get in the car and go. So when I, when I think about the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that's what I think of. I think of God comes along and covers me up when, I'm need, when I need it. When I praise God, when I worship God, it's not just singing songs to me. It's God covering me when I need to be covered. When I need that strength to take the next step. And so I want to do that today, if I could, just for like 60 seconds today. Before I do that, I want you just to, if you want you stand up with me really quickly, stand up. And as you're standing, just close your eyes for a second. I know sometimes this is hard because I'm convinced that people don't close their eyes because they don't want to see what they're seeing. They don't like what it looks like when their eyes are closed, what they have to deal with. So just, if you could, just, just for me, if you could, just close your eyes. If you're here today and maybe you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you don't know him personally, let me tell you, God is in this room right now. The Holy Spirit is here for you, for you. You came thinking, thinking that you were coming to church for you when in reality, God had this planned out a long time ago. Maybe just somebody invited you. This is your first time here at Connect Church. I want to invite you into a relationship. Maybe you knew God at one time, but you stepped away from him. You fell away from him. And you like to get right with God. Look, whether it's the fifth time or the 105th time, doesn't matter. God still loves you. Matter of fact, his love has never left. And he desires a deep relationship with you. So every eye closed, if you're here and you say, you know what, Troy, I really want that. I don't know what it means. And that's okay. You don't have to know what it means. All of it. But you sense it. Your heart is about to beat out of your chest. You can feel something. That's the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you in. I just want to invite you into a brand new relationship. Change. He'll forgive you all your sins, your mistakes, give you a brand new life, connect you with some good people. Is everything going to be great? And not ha- No, no. I'd be lying if I told you that. You're going to have some problems, but you'll have somebody to run to when you have a problem. Somebody that will never leave you. He'll never walk away from you. He'll always be there with you. So I'm going to count to three. If you say, that's me, I want to get right with God today. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. First time, I just want to, when I count to three, just raise your hand. I just want to, I just want to know who I'm praying for. Ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Just say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep it up high so I can see it. It's all right. It's all right. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep your hand up. Church, I want you to pray this prayer out. Just pray. Everybody pray this. If you raised your hand, I want you to say, make this declaration. We're going to declare. We're going to confess something over our life. Just, just if, as your hand is lifted, just say this with me. Everybody in the room, just join with them. Let them know that they got somebody on their left and on their right that believes in them. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me, cleanses me of all my mistakes and all my sins. Today, I start a new life. Today, I decide, I choose to follow you, Jesus. I will serve you and I will worship you all the days of my life.